Hi, and welcome to a special episode of The Big Wake Up Call, Remembering Mike Nesmith. I was lucky enough to have Mike on the show two separate occasions. We had him on April 19th of 2017, and that's when his memoir, Infinite Tuesday, came out. And then uh, he was happy to come back on the show uh, a year later, just about a year later, April 12th, 2018, when Infinite Tuesday had come out in paperback, and I think we had two delightful conversations. Um, I think like a lot of us, it was it was shocking. For me, it was devastating to see the news that Mike had passed away. Like, I had just seen the Monkey's Farewell Tour with Mike and Mickey, and that was on November 5th, and I looked it up, and the final show of that farewell tour was November 14th. So we are talking less than a month after the conclusion of that tour, we lose Mike. And I have had a tendency recently that whenever a celebrity, especially an older celebrity, is trending on Twitter, I used to think the worst. But then I realized nine times out of ten They're trending for another reason. They have a new movie. They have a project. They have an interview. So when I saw on Twitter people posting videos of Mike Nesmith and photos and saw that he was trending, I thought, oh, yeah, the tour just ended. Mike is probably talking about that. And to read, no, that was uh, Mike passed away. And I saw the show. November 5th, I believe, at the Rosemont Theater, and it was fantastic. I did comment to my son, I went with my son, who was kind enough uh, for my birthday to get me those tickets, like, they sound great, but Mike just looks a little frail. And uh, my son had mentioned, well, he had heart surgery, so maybe, you know, he needs to sit down, he needs to go backstage and get oxygen, something like that. And that made sense. He looked a little frail, he was sitting down a lot, but when it came to singing, he sounded fantastic. And they open with Good Clean Fun, one of Mike's songs, and he sang it wonderfully. And, you know, especially in the end, I told you I'd come back, and here I am, and the place just exploded. And sounded fantastic the entire show. So, that was, uh, that was shocking. So, I wanted to share with you my conversations with Mike that I had on uh, 2017 and 2018 as a way to um, remember him, certainly one of my heroes and a huge part of my childhood, and I'm certain of yours. And here is uh, Mike Nesmith on The Big Wake Up Call. It's The Big Wake Up Call on AM 1280 WBIG. I'm Ryan Gatenby, and As host of this radio show, I have had the pleasure of interviewing some of my all-time favorite musicians. My next guest for me tops them all. He is the author of Infinite Tuesday, an autobiographical riff. And it's an honor to talk to Michael Nesmith. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning to everyone. (laughs) Infinite Tuesday, it's such an original, uh, unique biography that you're blending stories of your life and work. You also have your thoughts and and feelings on various subjects. Were you approached to write a straight autobiography, and it kind of evolved along the way? No, I'll tell you, Ryan, what it was, is I <clears throat> was sitting and kind of looking back over the past and where I was and how I got here, and, I, you know, just one of those contemplative modes. 
and, and something jumped into my head said, you need to write this up <clears throat> because you're not going to be around that much longer. And uh, a lot of the people who were around then are not going to be around. And put this all down in a way that uh, is really accessible, that people can read and get a sense of what the whole uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s run was. Because something happened right after World War II in the 50s that grew up in the 60s, that matured during the 70s and 80s. It turned in, you know, this, the, the, the counterculture turned into the cyberculture in the 70s and 80s. We now live in the cyberculture. And <clears throat> I just thought, well, I, I need to get this down. I need to put it down, but I need to put it down in a way where I'm just riffing on it. I don't need to, you know, go to school again or get my master's degree in history. I need to get to, I need to just get it down so I can... People can read it and say, oh, that was cool, and that's what it, that's what it is. <laughs> now, did you keep a, a Bill Wyman-like diary over the years to reflect back on, or are you just uh, blessed with a good memory and you combine that with, uh, you know, how you interpret the era? Yeah, it's the latter. Yeah, I didn't keep a diary of any kind. Everything in the book is from memory. That's why uh, I, I use I'm, Amarcord as a touchstone. Amarcord's Italian word that means I remember yeah. as a, the title of my favorite director's movie, Amarcord, Federico Fellini. And so, I, no, I was just going back, and, you know, I remember when I was in London. I remember when I was on tour. I remember when I was, uh, we, were, we were making the music video. I remember when we created MTV. I remembered all that stuff just in the way you remember things, you know. And, and so I just started telling myself the story, and that's what the book is. You mentioned in the book that you always sort of knew you wanted a career in the arts. Did you always know it would be related to music? Could you have seen yourself as as primarily an actor? Well, there were no limits. You know, the thing about the arts is that it's infinite, and it, you just can go any place you want to. You bring the art with you, and wherever you are, you can improve wherever you are by uh, finding its uh, artistic principles, the aesthetic principles, and so forth, and I knew that's where I wanted to live. I didn't want to be um, a businessman or a technician or um, one of the you know more focused scientific, academic kind of efforts. I wanted to I wanted to play around, and the arts is really what gives you the opportunity to do that. So that's that's how I ended up there. Just naturally drawn to it. And you were able to successfully blend uh, comedy and, and music together. Do you think? timing and comedy and music come from the same place? Is it something that's just innate? Because, you know, you can teach someone the theory of music, you can take a, a comedy class, but it seems like to succeed at both, that needs to come uh, deep from within. I think so. I mean, uh, it, it, it really is not... <clears throat> it doesn't look... It, it looks a lot uh, more casual and, and, and serendipitous than it, than it really is, um, but uh, there, is a, there is a certain level of discovery and play that goes along with it that's that's critical path so it's it's uh it when i discovered that that was that was part of the focus of it that was when i was really drawn into the middle of it i thought well this is where i want to live my life because everybody in here is playing in the sandbox turns out that the sandbox that we were playing in in the counterculture the cyber guys are playing in in the cyber culture and then, uh, you know, versus uh, working as a solo artist and working with a group versus, uh, you know, being a comedian working with a group of people, there, there's such a level of trust on there. Is there a different part of you that you're sharing as part of a group versus uh, completely as a solo artist? Great question, and I think yes. I think, uh, you know, when you get in a band, you got to play your part. And uh, you don't, uh, 
don't don't play everybody else's part. You do what your your I don't know. I don't want to call it a job, but that's what it is. You do what your job is. You do what you're uh, what you're expected to do. So that the drummer plays the rhythms and the bass plays the bass and then so forth. But I, it, it's not it, one of the things that's great about it is even though you're confined by the rigors of the technology that you're using and and some of the science and some of the uh, uh, formalities of the what you're working on, it doesn't keep you from having a good time and, and, and riffing. You know, like the Grateful Dead, they just go out and they just played and they, you never knew what was going to happen. And <clears throat> that was uh, that's another aspect that uh, I really like about it. So, yeah, you come to it with a sense of discipline. I came to it with a sense of discipline. You know, the Monkees were a television show. We were hired as actors to play the parts, the main parts. But it was a gas because there was a time when everybody looked at each other and said, you know, we've got to go out there and play this stuff live. What are we going to do? Well, what we did was what everybody else does. We got in the garage and played and <laughs> taught ourselves the songs so we could go out. But instead of going out and starting to play little clubs and building up a, a, a crew, our first job was in front of 12,000 people. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it was completely anomalous to the way it was going on every, every place else. And I think the thing that drove it along there was the arts and the the artistic element of it, and <clears throat> the people who really got it, uh, especially the young kids, really got it and understood. You know, the TV sets coming alive, they they were enriched by it, but certainly no more than we were. And you know, having nothing to do with money, this was you know spiritual enrichment. And the book is Infinite Tuesday, an autobiographical riff, of course, by our guest, uh, Michael Nesmith. Uh, it has been an honor. Thank you so much for calling in today. Really appreciate it. Same here. Have a good day. Back on the Big Wake Up Call, AM 1280, WBIG. I'm Ryan Gatenby, and so happy to have my next guest back on the show. His book, Infinite Tuesday, an autobiographical riff, is uh, now out in paperback, and it is uh, Mike Nesmith. Good morning. Good morning, and hello to all of Chicago. Mike, rereading your book, and by the way, thank you for the paperback version, because it's a lot easier to, to read on the train. And <laughs> what I took away is this is an insight into into how you think. Was that one of your goals for the book? Well, it's not a goal, but, you know, it was an impossible event to avoid. I yeah. mean, you, you know, the, the way you think is it informs everything we do. But it was, uh, I was thrilled to have something to write about, you know, and those times and events and everything that happened in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, and I realized, my gosh, what a ride this has been. But I feel like a lot of the time with autobiographies, I, I learn the who, what, and where, but I don't really learn the why. And, and most of the time, the why, I think, is where the real truth is. Does that make sense? It, cer- it certainly does. And, and that's what I got uh, out of your book, kind of like why something happened. And you're not just telling the events. You kind of reflect on why that happens and what was going through your mind at the time and what you learned from it. And I think from that, you know, we learn way more about you. Well, okay, that's kind of scary, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, leave leave the stuff alone that looks like it hasn't been moved. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, you write in the book, and one of the things uh, I like, you talk about uh, hanging out with John Lennon, and you mentioned that uh, you felt John really didn't know who he was uh, in the context of the Beatles. Did that make you think about or, or reconsider who you were, who Mike Nesmith was in the context of, of the Monkees? Did you ever feel like you were losing a sense of, of self-awareness? Well, it wasn't losing a sense of self-awareness, but it was no doubt the same event that happened, or that I noticed happened to John and uh, Jimi Hendrix. 
you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's not a self-awareness. You don't really get it while it's happening to you. Um, and the point was, it, it dawned on me, because I was, I was staying with John uh, at a time that was really important to them, and he was asking me questions, and, and I was trying to answer them, you know, like he asked about the bass part on one of the records that they had just made. And I thought, I don't know. I don't even, I, what I'm having is my music uh, sensibility rearranged by a very powerful high thought. Yeah. And I'm not sure exactly what's happening here, but I know that whatever is happening is really important. So just keep your eyes open and see what it is. And then, bang, right there came, well, you know, Lennon doesn't know either. Because unlike you, Lennon has never seen the Beatles. Right. And I thought, wow, that's absolutely a fact. And then it dawned on me that Hendrix had never had the uh, event in his life of seeing Jimi Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix experience. And I thought, that's, that's an amazing thing for him not to have. And when I'm talking to Jimi, which happened you know, frequently since he was on the tour with us, with the monkeys, I, I realized this guy does not realize the majesty that happens when he plays his songs. And... That's because he's never seen it. He doesn't understand. And then I, I started thinking, most people around you, Nez, have never seen their life. They don't know who they are. They make big assumptions, and they're bouncing off of their children, their teachers, their husbands and wives and so forth, but they're not really getting a hold of who they are in the middle of that reality. So it was a, that's, that's a, a tent post or a tent stake <clears throat> of some of the ideas in the book, and it happens... You know, I describe it very early because having a, the time in London in the 60s was just uh, transformative for me. I thought, wow, can you really live a life like this? And when the answer came up, yes, then that became my search. That became, well, how do I do that? Because this looks like a lot of fun. And it unfolded in a series of riffs that I never saw that I was in until I, you know, I was well past it and, uh, and looked back on it. And suddenly, you know, your heart swells with so much joy, and you think, oh, I was so fortunate to be a part of that, and so part, uh, so fortunate to have an awareness of it. You know, I, I would have, uh, and even, so, even though I don't, you know, I didn't get to see the monkeys live, I did get to see the monkeys television show, and I did get to get a sort of sense of what people were going through during that time watching the television show, and then, of course, the whole 60s and 70s and 80s was just alive with, uh, with events and, uh, and, you know, the stuff of life. So I made a, a constant effort to always remember, you know, what I'm seeing is not what's happening. What I'm seeing is what I think is happening. And uh, that I need to let it just be what it is. And then later on, you can parse it and you can look down in it and you can say, oh, you know, that's when that girl was there, and wasn't she a lovely lady, and wasn't she so... And I remember meeting her, and where were we? We were in, the, we were in Santa Fe, in desert, and where were we? And, and those are memories that, that sustain. And they come back and they say, you know, you've, <clears throat> you've been slowly and beautifully made to, uh, to weather the storms of uh, uh, the, the high lonesome uh, desert that uh, we all have to go through sometimes. And Mike, I did want to mention you're coming to uh, Chicago on June 14th with uh, with Mickey playing at the Copernicus Center with with the Mike and Mickey show. 
And uh, that is literally a three-minute walk from my house. So my wife wanted me to mention, if you can hook us up with tickets, uh, she'll have you both over for dinner. No problem. Just ask everybody else. <laughs> Perfect. And uh, it's uh, Infinite Tuesday, an autobiographical riff that is out now in paperback, of course, written by uh, Mike Nesmith. And, uh, Mike, once again, it's been an honor, and uh, thank you for calling in today. Same here, Ryan, and thanks for the airtime. And that'll conclude this special episode of The Big Wake Up Call, Remembering Mike Nesmith. I feel uh, very fortunate to have talked to Mike twice on the show, and uh, we'll just remember how much I enjoyed that and just the joy he brought as a part of the Monkees and the rest of his career to all of us. Thank you so much for listening, and good night.